Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Today, we're excited to have a guest joining us, author Allison Stewart. On this episode, we're going to talk about a woman trying to outrun her past and exotic 1910 Singapore. Welcome, Allison. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. And good morning from um, not so sunny Melbourne. It's actually pouring with rain, but... Uh... <laughs> uh, well, we can sympathize because it's kind of drizzly here. Yeah. And, uh, we're both... In Washington, D.C. area, uh, a little bit outside in different directions, but we get similar weather. It is nasty. Very nasty here. Mm. So before we dive into this intriguing episode, first, what are we drinking? Allison, why don't you go ahead first? Well, my, my favorite tipple is, of course, a gin and tonic, mm. but I have to say at 7 o'clock in the morning, it is a wee bit early, so I have a mug of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Totally All understandable. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely understandable at seven in the morning. So, Eliza, what are you drinking this evening? Because it's five o'clock here. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's five o'clock somewhere and it's five o'clock right here. So I am drinking a Chardonnay from a local vineyard that I visited actually with Lori and a friend of ours named Erin a couple of weeks ago. It's called Fabioli and um, it's delicious. It was really yummy. And that winery was fun because it. we went and they had they had little tasting bits to go with each of each bottle of wine. And it was it was a very nice experience. Cool. So I'm hoping we get to go do that again Same. soon. And this is a bit unusual for me, but I am having hot water with lemon and honey in it because I have a cold. So I, while I typically would be drinking wine this time of day, I'm just going to imagine that this is uh, some kind of tropical sangria and <laughs> we'll carry on. I love that. And also just so you don't think I'm like a total, you know, lush here. This is a glass of water with a straw in it, not the wine that I'm sucking down with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Harriet would probably throw some whiskey into your hot water and lemon just oh, to yeah. give it a bit I, more of a I kick. thought about that. I did. <laughs> Maybe when we're done, I'll run up yeah. and do that. <laughs> so you are joining us from Australia, but you once lived in Singapore. Can you tell us why you were there and what fascinated you about the Singaporean culture and traditions? Oh, my goodness. Um, the reason we were in Singapore is my husband worked for an American multinational company and the opportunity presented to, to go. So we dragged two miserable teenagers with us and off we went. I don't think one of them has ever quite forgiven us for the for the experience. Um, one day they will appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no, they're, yeah. they're in their 30s now and they're a little bit more appreciative of, of what they went through. <laughs> but, yes, at the time. Um, anyway, uh I, I was actually born in Kenya, so I actually have that kind of background already, and I, it was wonderfully exciting. What The wonderful thing about Singapore, if anybody's ever been there, is it's an absolute melting pot of, of different cultures, that the Chinese and the Malay and the Indian and, uh, uh, and a number of other ethnicities thrown in there as well, and, and as well as the uh, as well as the Westerners. So it, it's a 
for a very small place, it, it has a lot, a lot happening there. And uh, I, well, once I got over my own sort of, oh my God, I've left my life behind and I've become just an expat wife, bitch, <laughs> and started getting into the writing and joined a writers group. You know, I, it was it was exciting. I had a wonderful time there, and it was almost sad to come home. That sounds wonderful. It was. It's great to have that kind of experience. Yes, and as I said, I was, I'm lucky because I did spend the first ten years of my life in Africa. So it's um, that's it wasn't it wasn't a totally totally foreign foreign concept to me. Yeah, living overseas like that. Yeah. Wow, I'm so impressed by like everything that you're just saying right now. <laughs> All the different places <laughs> that you've lived and experiences. Like I was born in DC, I'm 42, still living here. <laughs> I keep begging my husband to find a job overseas so we could leave, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, we tried that once. Um, my husband worked at a consulting firm and he was placed on a project in London and we lived in London for a grand total of three and a half months. Oh, no. We were supposed to be there for 18 months, but his project got cut short. Oh, so it was, it was sad to leave that early. Well, you, you, the, sad, the sad end to our story is the, uh, the said multinational company suddenly decided it was extremely expensive having all these expats in Singapore and decided that it was just as easy for my husband to do his job from Melbourne. Not. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. And so we, uh, I, I mean, literally from home, he, he got sent home to work and threw me out of my office. And uh, yeah, oh, so the next no. few years were not quite so pleasant, I have to say. Because he was just never here. He was traveling to Southeast Asia every week. So yeah. That, yeah. It does completely disrupt your process. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and by that stage, the teenagers were even more miserable. So, um, you know, it was great. Yay, it was a wonderful time of our lives. But those three years in Singapore were great. <laughs> I could totally yeah. relate to that. My husband was uh, overseas for two years in a uh, Middle Eastern country that wasn't very safe for us to be living in. So we stayed home. And my teenagers oh, yeah. were not happy about anything really at that point in time. So no. <laughs> it's tough. I totally sympathize with you. Oh, yeah. Well, we all survived. <laughs> yes, we did. We did. We're all here. We, we all survived. The marriages survived. The children yes, survived. They're yeah. all here. Happy. So, um, can you paint a picture for us of what life was like in early 20th century Singapore? Uh, very, very different. Um, uh, Singapore now is a city-state. It, uh, it is the island, so it's Singapore, Singapore. Um, so the city itself pretty much covers the entire island. Whereas back in 1910, when I'm writing, um, the island was still largely rural and jungle, and um, the actual town of Singapore was was actually quite small, sort of clinging to, clinging to the side of the uh, to cling to the sea as it was so um, there, it was a much more insular um, society as you can imagine a very small society particularly for the for the uh, westerners but again this sort of it, it was already this entrepot of and this mix, amazing mixture of Chinese and Indian and Malay cultures all sort of all sort of coming together in this amazing amazing city there were the the, uh, the British had been there since about the 1820s, and as the British do, they had well and truly established themselves with big, grand, colonial buildings, which you can still see some of in Singapore. If you dig hard enough, you can still find the colonial past. Um, 
There was a train that ran up to the north of the island and you caught a ferry across to the Malay Peninsula, which uh, now, of course, there's a causeway that you can drive across, but in those days. So it was it was still quite, Singapore was still quite isolated and, um, and really was for a very long time, which, of course, was the problem in World War II because they thought they were quite safe and mm. had all their mm. guns turned to the sea waiting for an invasion from the sea and, of course, the invasion oh my came across across from the Malay Peninsula by the Japanese. So um, it totally, totally changed their society forever. So so there was, it was a very classed society. There was um, definitely uh, the the Westerners or the Angmos were at the top of the top of the ladder and down the ladder it went. And, uh, you know, I, I'm no apologist for for the British colonial system, but that's that's how it was in 1910, that you, you, as, you as an Anglo, Lived in a lived in a fairly nice house. You had servants. You had ayahs to look after your children. You had cooks to cook your dinners, um, and you you lived a fairly a fairly easy life from that point of view. Um, further down the ladder, of course, there was grinding poverty. There was opium addictions. There was, uh, it, was a, it's, it is a fascinating place, a fascinating place to to world build because I had to world build it because it's the modern city is so so different from what it was. I did notice on your website that you had some pictures. Yes. Were those, um, when are those from? Um, I, I, I run a Pinterest board, um, anybody would like to have a look at it under Alison Stewart and um, I run Pinterest boards for all my books actually but um, with Harriet particularly the wonderful thing about writing in 1910 was the the number of images that are available and uh, I mean it's just a rabbit hole I've spent hours and hours down pulling out pictures because this is this is how I rebuilt the world I'm a visual person and I needed to see what I was I was I was looking at. I needed to see the building that um, the police headquarters in the uh, in Southbridge Road. I needed to see the magistrates' court, and so all of those, all of those images are are there in my in my on my Pinterest board. And uh, yes, I have a I have a lot of um, a lot of different images of trying to bring in that sort of the city versus the uh, the more rural aspects of Singapore. Of course, beautiful beaches. They had beautiful beaches and had beached villas and beach resorts, and uh, it was really quite quite pleasant. Apart from the fact it's it's always hot in Singapore. It's incredibly hot in Singapore. <laughs> and I think it would have been pretty miserable being a woman in 1910 wearing corsets oh, and gosh. stockings and uh, red yes. flannel next to, your, next to you and all the rest of it. I, I nearly died with air conditioning. So. <laughs> I imagine sure. that must have been extremely hot yeah. for sure. Yes. Yeah. You imagine sort of Louisiana in the height of summer. Uh-huh. Was, uh, <laughs> was, uh, oh, my God. I'm from central mississippi i grew up down mm. there so it's very humid it's <laughs> tropical like weather so yeah yep 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 you just spend your whole day dripping <laughs> what did they yes. say late um ladies glow men perspire and horses sweat <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, there's a lot of glowing going on <laughs> yes i definitely sparkle a lot <laughs> <laughs> Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there.
We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers. In your series, Harriet travels to Singapore to make a new life as a personal secretary. What was a woman's role in society in early 20th century Singapore? I mean, at this stage, I'm talking about the, the, the role of, of the, the Western women. Um, it was pretty much what they, they were going through at home. They, they really, um, there was really no purpose for them. They, they were there merely to produce children and, and grace their husbands' dining room tables. And so they, so they sort of kind of had to throw themselves into things like charity work and um, yeah, mostly charity work, did a lot of charity work. Um, there were female teachers. There were, um, there, there, I'm sure, even, even Harriet was unusual um, because if you look at the Straits Times of the day, you know, the, the advertisements for people with typing and shorthand experience, they were looking for men. So, you know, there was not even that option really available. And so it makes Harriet a little bit... Harriet's actually based on a real person. Yeah, so as, as a Western woman, so there was a lot of... And, and to be honest, it wasn't a lot different when I was there in the early 2000s. So a lot of sense, loss of purpose for women and um, a lot of probably a lot of drinking went on. <laughs> and I, I, I do sort of uh, bring that in a little bit in the second book because you know, what else was there for them, for them to do? They were... It was a very... A lot of illness, you know, the tropical diseases that would take you off or take your children off like that. You know, it was a oh, it was not a pleasant place to live. It was um, it was hard for the Western women. Then, of course, you you go down the social ladder and um, you get you get to the the life of the women um, who were the you know, had were the servants and uh, you had women who were brought in from China who were who were the builders. They were building the buildings. So quite an amazing oh, wow. uh, story. They're a little bit later than my story said, but. Yes, they were an extraordinary bunch of women, very, very tough little ladies. Yeah. All sorts of different roles for women in that in that sense. Almost in a way they were freer not being Western. <laughs> so, but uh, nevertheless, it was, it was a class society and, uh, and different women of different classes played different roles. Not much has changed in a lot of places, I think. <laughs> no, no. Look, I, I, you know, as I said, I, it was not a similar situation to Singapore when I was there in that I couldn't work I was I was not allowed to work and uh, I'd given up a job as a, as a lawyer to to go there and suddenly I became just an expat wife and it, it really it took a lot of um, rejigging on my part to sort of refocus myself and find a find a purpose for what I was what my right. day was going to be like apart from and that's hard. That, miserable that's a big, yeah but I imagine that was a big transition too, going from oh. being a lawyer to trying to figure out what you're going to do during the day and not being allowed to work because being a lawyer is not an easy job. <laughs> no, no. I mean, in some ways, it was quite nice yeah. not having to do that. But yes, it was. It was trying to find a purpose for my life beyond sort of um, providing tea and supper to the um, to the miserable teenagers. And <laughs> yeah, um, you know, there had to be more to life than that, and uh, which is probably what took me to this national library on that particular day to. Just scroll through Straits Times newspapers just for the sake of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. So what are the do's and don'ts for anyone who wants to visit Singapore? Do visit Singapore. That's probably the first one. It really is an amazing city. I mean, I go back fairly regularly because I can. I mean, we're, we're fairly close there. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my friends have now left, but... Um, you know, I, I still, it's, I, I walk out of Changi Airport and think I'm, I'm home. 
it has oh, that wow. sort of lovely strain you know that lovely feeling of sort of embracing it that could be the humidity but i do, <laughs> I do yeah. feel like i'm here <laughs> every time i go back I, there's been they've been another bit of it added to the island because that's the thing about singapore there there's a lot of land reclamation and uh, it's actually probably twice the size it was in harriet's day uh, for example oh, wow. raffles hotel is on beach road uh, the nearest beach is probably two kilometers away oh, wow. at Harriet's, Harriet's time it was beach road it was on the beach so uh, you know that's how much it's it's changed and and there's uh, I, I need to go back now because there's all this amazing development down on the on what used to be Keppel Harbour the main harbour with uh, interior botanical gardens and uh, the zoo is amazing and the night safari is amazing the food is to die for you know there are so many great things about singapore and there's so much more to singapore than sentosa island and, and orchard road which is what a lot of tourists just see that little bit but uh, if you can actually sort of get away from that a little bit and explore some of the neighborhoods like chinatown and little india and and, uh, and those sort of areas you can, you really get a feel for for what what a, what a what wonderful amazingly amalgamated society it is that's awesome i would love to do that very much and one of my favorite things about traveling is sort of like going off the beaten path and not doing the regular tourist things just sort of immersing myself Absolutely. in different culture and society so thank you for sharing yeah, that. that's awesome we regularly ate at the um, at what they call the food courts, which are yeah. set up all around Singapore. And um, you just you go and buy your Chinese Chinese rice or your nasi lemak or, or whatever chili stingray or whatever it is. Just join in with all the locals, and uh, uh, that that was one of our favourite things to do. The food was just beautiful, sounds amazing, <laughs> and safe and totally safe. Yes, everything yeah. in Singapore is safe. Oh, one thing you don't do is chew gum. Oh. I think that is still illegal. I think that is still illegal. Illegal? Oh, wow. I wonder why. <laughs> um, because somebody, and it might have been, well, I've been an American, um, <laughs> gum, in the, gum in the train, and uh, they stuck it on the door, and it jammed the entire rail oh, system. No. <laughs> anyway, that led oh, wow. talking 20 years ago. It was probably moved on, but yes, chewing gum That's was actually crazy. illegal. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. Leave it to someone to destroy something like that. Yeah, we don't deserve nice things, that's for sure. Well, it sounds like an amazing place. So before we switch over to our fun facts that you learned in your research, can you um, tell us you just had a new release and it's from your Australian set romance. Can you tell us a little bit about The Homecoming? Yeah, uh, look, I was sort of writing these two series side by side. So there's the Harriet Gordon mystery series, which is what we've been talking about. But then I've also been writing a more of a historical romance series set in Australia, set in my own backyard. It's the first time I've actually I've actually dared to do that. Like, isn't that silly? <laughs> That's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. So it's a series set in a, in a fictional uh, little gold mining town. Um, in Victoria, where I live, um, based based on a real little town that I, I, my husband and I are very fond of, and um, uh, the homecoming is the third, the third and last in the series. So the first one, uh, and again, I'm, I'm looking at women and women's roles and uh, how they fitted into into society. So, so the first book, um, I had a had a woman who was a postmistress, which was stretching it a little bit because they didn't, the women weren't really postmistresses at that early stage, but who's 
Houston. <laughs> what the right. hell? Um, yeah, and the second one, yeah, yeah, the second one, the gold miner's sister, uh, the heroine, was a um, school school teacher. And the homecoming is the one that's just been released, and it's actually it actually moves the action forward. Both those books were set in the early eighteen seventies, and this has moved it forward to the early eighteen nineties. Because I had two children uh, from those two books, um, Danny, who was the the boy uh, Adelaide's son in the first book, and then this sort of wild child, um, Charlie O'Reilly, female Charlie o Charlotte O'Reilly, uh, from the second book. And having given their parents such a horrible time, I thought, I've got two seriously traumatized people, children here. I wonder how they turned yeah. out. <laughs> so I love the that. Book is, uh, is Charlie and Danny's story um, as they sort of have they, they they independently go back to Maidens Creek to sort of uh, reconcile their past and uh, the things that happened to them while all this action was because I do make my I do make my character suffer so. <laughs> while all this the, their parents are having such Isn't a that the best time. though. <laughs> That's the best part of being an author for seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah. You are. Let's let's muck with these people. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, when so you can bring back the family members for like figuring out like, oh, did they make it? I like that too. Yeah. 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 So a little bit, a little bit of the particularly the first two characters do come back, but um, Char Charlie's a nurse, and um, Danny is extremely wealthy because he inherited all this money at the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> he has nice. his own. He has his own problems. <laughs> I also made him a lawyer. First, first time I've ever written a lawyer. So, uh, and 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 a want to be writer. So, <laughs> not saying that there's anything of me in any of my characters. Yeah. yeah. But yes, fun. if you're interested in uh, in a sort of, uh, not not really, I was going to say western, but um, just just a different setting, and um, you know that gold mining because uh, it, it was huge in America, of course, particularly south of where you are and north of where you are. And um, yeah, a lot of Americans came over, and in fact, the hero of my first book is is an American. So I oh, thought fine. it might make it more attractive to Americans, but my agent says not. <laughs> oh, why? Anyway, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. Hello listeners, this is Lori and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, 
detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So um, heading back over into your Harriet Gordon mystery series, why don't you tell us three fun facts you discovered during your research? Start, start with three. Um, you know, one of the things I really, really enjoyed with, with all the books, and I'm particularly enjoying it with writing the fourth book, is incorporating, and I do it with all, everything I write, is incorporating real people. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there's not a lot... No, you know, you walk down Orchard Road and you walk past a little street called Cuscadon Place. Well, who was who was Cuscadon? If you ask the average Singaporean, they'd shrug and say, "No idea." Well, he was, he was the Inspector General of the Strait Settlements Police Force, so he was actually uh, my fictional Detective Curran's um, boss. So, uh, so I've had I've had you know had great fun bringing him to life because he was you know he was a terrible British you know brown moustache and that <laughs> and uh, I, I believe his nickname was Tim but um, um, Karen calls him Sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, but uh, there's a whole lot of other little cast of characters that come in. There was Mad Radley who was the director of the botanical gardens and uh, had this great belief that uh, rubber was going to be the salvation of the Malayan Peninsula and he'd walk <laughs> around with seeds in his pockets and hand them out to everybody you go and plant some of these and see how it works um and the one i found That's in evil emerald who i really loved was was monty pet that was his name a montague pet and he was the uh, <laughs> look they are and there's one in the yeah. book um goodman angler uh, who was a real person but anyway yeah monty pet was uh, basically the founder of the, the professional singapore fire brigade and i have actually worked for a fire brigade so i have i have a sneaking a sneaking love for firemen so uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I there was monty pet in his castle of a fire station that still exists in singapore you can go you can go visit the fire museum there. <laughs> yeah so many awesome. people like that i love just weaving them into the stories it's one of, yeah, okay that's, that's one, one of the fun facts not so fun facts but i i spent quite a quite a, a rabbit hole and a very depressing afternoon down was, of course, the appalling treatment of suffragettes in England mm. in at that yeah. particular time. You know, I've, I've been aware of it. It's, it's not been my period of history that I've ever really looked into. I'm more of a 17th century girl myself. But um, <laughs> when I got into the force feeding and the, oh, I mean, yeah. the, basically the torture that these women were, in, what was inflicted on these women, was just horrifying, absolutely horrifying. So that, that was... Um, that was an absolute eye-opener, and I did write a little prequel to Harriet's story called The Umbrella, where I, I did actually explore that a bit more. Um, oh, the wow. third fun fact, oh, what's the third fun fact I, I had had in mind? Well, there's so many, because it was just such an amazing, amazing time. I, it, I yeah, suppose the third, like the, third, <laughs> the third fun fact is, uh, can, I, can I use one actually not from Harriet, but actually from um, my other books? Because yes, of course. I, Absolutely. Yeah, because in the first book, The, uh, the Postmistress, um, I be, uh, there was a smallpox scare in, in Valhalla, or um, actual town of Valhalla, and how the doctors dealt with that. Um, and I wrote this before what we've just been through, and how right. they dealt with the isolation, the quarantining, the vaccination of the, of the entire town was just 
absolutely what we've just experienced. So I, I was oh, heartened wow. to know mm-hmm. that we knew we knew these things back in the 19th century. <laughs> but the other thing was, I, I also discovered the bubonic plague was rife in, in Australia in the early across the world in the early 1900s, and they oh, actually ended goodness. up burning down. Yeah. A, well, a, a considerable portion of Sydney had to be destroyed to get rid of the plague. Anyway, that, that, that was just wow. a little fun fact I knew nothing about. <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, That's wild. Yeah, it was still a uh, still quite rough, and uh, particularly the port cities, because of course the rats came in on the on the boats. Yeah, so, it's I so funny because like the plague, you always think of being as like a medieval thing, and then to hear yeah. what you just said, and then a few years ago, someone in the U.S. it wasn't like an epidemic breakout or anything like that. Someone in the U.S. was in the hospital for the bubonic plague, and everyone was like, "Wait, that still exists." <laughs> Yeah, 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 you hear that occasionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. It still exists. Yeah, it is. Well, we are all writers, but we're also all readers. What are you currently reading? Right. Well, top of my top of my reading pile at the moment because I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a I'm a bit of a loose floozy when it comes to reading. Uh, <laughs> top of my pile at the moment, I'm I'm reading the last um, latest one, Charles Todd books which and the name is complete i'm sorry it's too early in the morning the name is complete <laughs> yes. i don't know if you i don't know if you know charles todd uh it was a mother-son combination writing and oh, they write the inspector cool. so yes i think mm-hmm. she's just died which is very sad oh, um so i'm not oh. sure what the future of the the books will be but she writes two historical history series the um the ian rutledge series which i i absolutely adore which is post-world war one which is very much my my you know my catnip <laughs> Um, yes. with, a, with, a, with an inspector who's badly shell-shocked from World War One and has has a he's haunted by by the almost haunted by the ghost of a um, a man he had to he had to shoot during the war yeah. and Hamish Hamish yeah. lives in the back of his mind and uh, provides a sort of uh, the reflection character for when Rutledge is working through his story. I, I love the Rutledge stories. Less keen on her second series, which is the best Crawford series. So yeah, but that's that's the top of the pile at the moment. I've just finished reading a a good old fashioned romance from a good friend of mine, <laughs> Nicola Marsh, whose book I'm launching this evening. So uh, yeah, oh fun. That's been my re- that's been my reading. Yes, those both sound really good. They do. They are. Where can our readers find you? Uh, everywhere. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on um, Pinterest. I'm not so much on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Um, but really the best place to start is my website, which is alisonstuart.com. Pretty easy to remember. And there's links to uh, 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 my AM Stuart character who writes the um, Harriet stories. It has a separate website, but there's links there. Uh, you can find me fairly easily. So, yes, that's where I am, and that's... Uh, I'm always happy to chat, <laughs> and you're always welcome to join my uh, my readers list as well. Yay! I can't wait to go um, look at all your Pinterest boards too. I love stuff like that where you get to dig like yeah. further into the story and it sort of comes alive in the pictures. That's really cool. Well, look, I think it, particularly if you are a visual person like me, it just really helps bring it to life. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not one of those ones who who really uses. Char- you know what actor is going to play my character i don't know <laughs> but it's more more about the general vibe of the thing you know? yeah <laughs> what yeah places yeah, and how, how my characters move around and maps and oh, i love all of that stuff that's awesome thank it you is. so much for being well, here with us so much. oh this no well, so thank you fun. for the invitation really enjoyed having you yeah no thank we're you. so glad you delightful. joined us 
Yeah. Yep. No, so not glad. too early in the morning. My tea is finished. I can <laughs> yes, go I'm glad we were now. able to work off the time. And it's a perfect half <laughs> yes. hour for us. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with guest author Allison Stewart. Next week, tune in to hear all about Fred and Adela Stare. Coming up, we have guest author Heather Webb joining us. Then we'll be back to go in depth on the history of the Ides of March. See you next time. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at History BKS Wine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers. And happy reading.